She came into my office about a week ago, asking me these questions about these couple of strange women that she'd heard on the internet. I, I, I just need to, I just need to understand what's going on with them. They, they, they're, they're just so happy, and they, they always seem to know what's going on in each other's weeks. I, I just don't know what to make of it. So I beat the streets for some time. Finally, got myself some answers. So, you ready? Yes, I, I, I'm so glad that you were able to find something out. What, what, what's the situation? Listen, it's nothing more than this. They're just a couple of queer and pleasant strangers. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies do our thing, talking about our weeks, doing silly voices, doing skits, just generally having a very silly time. We'd have a very silly thing we do. Yeah, we'd have a very silly time anyway, I think, but it's, you know, we like to feel like we're being productive with our silliness. Exactly. Let's not let this silliness go to waste. How how has your week been, Jane? Um, stressful. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. It's been a long old week, but we're here now. We we, we got through another one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're currently, we're currently in the midst of like, uh things, organising stuff. Adult responsibility. Yeah, give it like, you know, a little over a month and we'll probably calm down a little bit. But for now, we're just like, oh. No, no, probably only assurances, please. <laughs> I'm not sure I could take anything less at the moment. <laughs> but it's fine. We, we, had, we, had a, we had a nice uh, nice week, though. We uh, were out for a bit of a dance at the weekend, which was nice. Did you nice. go out for a wiggle? We were out for a wiggle and uh, we had some cinnamon rolls the other night. Those were good. We did. We had some pains in the chocolate as well. Oh yeah, pain o chocolate. Oi. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a nice old week. Uh, should we should we talk about some of the things what we did with our week? You mean apart from the tasty sweet treats? Apart from the tasty street sweet treats, yeah. Where do we want to start this week? Which which of the various categories that we always talk about do we want to start with? Generally, we start with played, and I think I'm quite happy to stick with that. If you're happy to stick with that, I'm happy to stick with that. Convention and organisation and structure is good. I'm a big fan. Okay, of listen, it is that. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. As yeah, I've not played very much this week. I. I played some things that I can't talk about till next week, but like I played Ooh. a couple of things. Um, sh- shall I start with one? Yeah, tell us a thing. Uh, okay, so I'll start with this one. I've started playing a game uh, called Penny Punching Princess, Ooh. which it's How it's a game that I've been playing on the Switch. I believe it's on a couple of other platforms. Mm-hmm. It's one of those sort of like Zelda style top down almost slightly isometric 2D action games where you run around, hit stuff with your weapon. Mm. You know, that that kind of action game. But the gimmick is that you use money to buy your way through the game. So at all times, there is basically a calculator you can bring up to do things like, hey, for this much money, I can purchase that enemy and they will temporarily work by my side and I can get them to do attacks for me or I can pay to open up this door for a shortcut. And it's all themed around... Hey, do this combat system, but also use your money to make things easier because otherwise you'll probably get a bit overwhelmed. Hmm. So I've been playing a bit of it. And there's one key problem I have right now, maybe like an hour and a half in, 
which is that, at least on the Switch version, the controls to do the money spending are a bit awkward and fiddly. Mm. Um, There is no option in handheld mode to do a combination of button controls and touchscreen controls, which is a real shame, um, Mm. because the calculator that you use for, like, bribing enemies and everything is on the touchscreen, and it feels like the easiest thing to do would be pull up the calculator, quickly tap the number, hit enter, keep going Mm. with the buttons, because the buttons are just much more comfortable for, you know, for playing in handheld, but you can't. If you use the buttons in handheld mode, it completely disables the touchscreen. And if you use the touchscreen, it appears to completely disable the buttons. And that's a bit of a weird shame. Like, this game's slightly complicated early control scheme feels like it would benefit from a hybrid control scheme. And then on Mm. top of that, just... uh, A lot of the time in this game so far, I felt like the purchasing things mechanic is unnecessary and that the game plays better as just a straight... Somewhat like a cat quest style top down 2D action action RPG adventure mm. thing where you just like dodge out the way, hit the enemy with swords, do some cool combat. It feels much more fluid when it's just that, when it's not trying to do its gimmick. Right. So I'm going to play more of it and I'm going to see if I warm up to it. But right now it just feels awkward and fiddly, which is a real shame. It looked a bit um, tower defensey when I looked at the video. So is is that not the case, or uh, I've not come across much tower defensey stuff yet. Like there's a few bits where it's like, okay, spend money to put up defenses to help back you up, but that it's not been as big a factor as I was expecting from trailers. Right. So maybe I just haven't got far enough for that yet. But mm. that's where I'm at now. So yeah, mm. tell me about a thing you played this week. I played some more of the Escapists too. Uh, I still haven't escaped my first prison, um, but I have. Um, I've, I've started to actually gather things that I might use to try and escape, and I've worked out how not to get discovered for taking the vent off of my uh, cell ceiling. Ew. So I've now got a, a series of vents in this prison that are full of random crap that I've been building. Oh, nice. You've now got some like decent hiding places to stockpile things. Yeah, there is only so much I can hide within my desk. I think <laughs> I, you, you're allowed to hide like six items in the hidden compartment of your desk. Yeah. And I think something like... Uh, uh, yeah, and then something like 12 items total in the main part of the desk, which obviously if you if you hide any contraband in there, you have to be very careful in case your cell gets tossed because that stuff will get picked up. Now you just have to hope that the prison guards uh, don't listen to queer and pleasant strangers. Otherwise, that secret drawer that you have can uh, be can be totally found now. Okay, we're gonna need to edit all that out. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely remember to edit all that out. Thanks, I do appreciate. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, getting getting on a bit further with that, getting some idea of what to do. I've not really had a lot of time to play stuff this week, so. Uh, that's been mostly what I'd managed. Yeah, it's it's been one of those weeks. Like I've not had time to dig into anything big this week. Lots to organise. Indeed, lots of doing organisationally things. Too much adulting this week. Yeah, we did play a thing together this week. We did. We played a bit more Magic: The Gathering. We did. And I think I finally got my head around how the combat system works. Just about, mm. I think. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you you seem to be getting ill. I I was getting a lot less frustrated with myself than the first time that we tried to play, I think. <laughs> I think the main thing that was slowing us down now is obviously trying to understand all the rules on all the cards all the time. What yeah. does that do? There's, there was a um, lot of me being like, like what, need does, to... what does this effect do? Yeah, I mean, it's it didn't help that there was even some rules in there that I've not encountered before, so yeah, like we needed to Google those. Yeah, like monsters that you could pay to discard from your hand for an effect, and we had to look uh, up... Yeah, Blood Rush. Blood yeah. Rush I've encountered before. There was another one... Um, uh, not, not tapping a creature to attack, which... Previously, the cards just used to say this creature uh, uh, attacking does not cause this creature to tap, but now yeah. there's like an official mechanic name for it. Yeah, so there was a few things like that we had to look up, but um, yeah. I, I felt like I finally got my head around the fact that like, okay, you're attacking the other player, not mm. their creatures, because that's it's so antithetical to every other trading card game I've played, where yeah. usually it is the person declaring the attack decides where the attack goes. And if if the defending thing isn't strong enough, uh, tough luck. Hmm. Whereas this whole idea of like, no, I can choose just to not defend against that. That that took me a while to get my head around. Yeah, because sometimes it's, it's better to just take the damage so that the other person has got potential um, monsters locked in place so they can't do anything. Yeah. And, and you have a better chance to attack them back the next round. So some of the things that were like, it, it was a bit of a culture shock the first time you summoned, like you summoned this regenerating slime thing. And oh, yeah. my instinct when you summoned it was I was suddenly like, oh, this thing gets stronger every time you summon something. I need to destroy it quick before it becomes a really big problem. Oh, I can't just declare an attack on it while it's weak because you just have the option to say, no, I'm not going to defend with it. Like, I, the thought that, like, I can't go, that thing is weak, I will destroy it before it becomes a problem, was really weird to me. Like, that's the kind of thing I had to wrap my head around. That is one of the few weenies I have in that deck, and I had to to uh, throw it in a defensive position or risk dying one round earlier than I actually did die. So. Well, wasn't it that it died because, like, I forced it into combat with a spell or something? Oh, maybe. I, I think I, I used a spell <clears throat> to, like, force it to defend. It wouldn't have lasted much longer anyway. Um, I was really struggling to draw anything summonable. Yeah. Um, I kept running out of, of mana in that. I don't know if that's a lack of land in that deck. Or what, I might need to go through and, and add a few more forests. The, uh, the, the deck you're playing is a pre-built uh, red and green deck. Mm -hmm. The deck I'm using is a custom-built legacy uh, green and artifacts only deck. Ew. So lots and lots of very cool artifacts and artifact creatures and big hulking mm -hmm. green things that cost an awful lot to summon but once you get them going they will hit like a truck i i did have a little bit of a giggle when you accidentally shuffled your hand back into your deck oh, <laughs> it was the first time i had a good hand like <laughs> properly good hand the entire set of uh, three or four games we played and three rounds in i while searching for my library for for lands using 
one of my abilities, I managed to massively fuck up and shove my whole hand back in. <laughs> For anyone that knows Yu-Gi-Oh, um, at a tournament once years ago, in the first of three rounds, I accidentally shuffled my hand back into my deck in round one and was told, nope, you just don't have a hand now. And that was... I recovered from it, but it was not a fun moment when it's like, oh, oh, my hand. Oh, no. no. Uh, so, yeah, have you played anything else this week? I have played. Um, I played some single player Clank oh. uh, with the aid of the app. Yeah, how did that go? Uh, well, we, we mentioned before that we, we played two player with like an extra player on the app. And mm. this time I played... On my own with the app, uh, there is a single player option. You put down less of the um, the small items that you can pick up. Uh, so things you would find in there usually are uh, health upgrades uh, or, or uh, health potions, movement potions, um, small things like uh, drop a card at the end of the round to pick up and draw an extra card. Things like that, like li- little bonuses, uh, but you only put one of each of those uh, out, uh, or one on each uh, slot on the board um, that they're supposed to appear on. Hmm. Uh, the uh, as opposed to in the two-player plus the uh, the the app, you ha- actually have to put in cubes for the app itself. So uh, if they that the app will generate its own clank, um, which is quite interesting. Um, It also gives you quests to complete, so you might have to defeat um, or or claim whatever the uh, the card is in the fourth position on the dungeon pile, uh, which is a selection of cards that you can either buy or or fight if they're monsters. Um, that refresh every round uh, once one is replaced. And you can get things in there that will cause the dragon to attack and, and, and potentially cause issues. Or, you know, sometimes it'll just be a monster. That monster might have extra effects on it. Things like uh, causing the dragon to uh, attack uh, immediately or that somebody will have to put in extra clank. Things like that. Um, but yeah, it's good. Uh, I won. The, uh, <laughs> the app got absolutely trounced. I, f- I think before I'd even got much below the surface. Ah. Well, it, so I, I was pretty happy with, with that. It, it was, it was a fun game, lasted about an hour. Yeah, it sounds like you had enough fun that you, that you, you know, want to play it single player again sometime. Yeah, I definitely would do. Woo! What about you? Any others? Uh, the last thing I played is just something I've been playing more of. I came back to this week, which was I started mm-hmm. replaying The Binding of Isaac. So Ooh. for anyone who's unaware of this game, it is a top-down game where you can sort of shoot in one of four directions. It's very gross in its visual design. Uh, you are playing a young child running around a labyrinth full of just, like, blood and feces and urine, but it all has, like, smiley happy faces on it. It's very weird. Um, it's a difficult game. I am not very mm-hmm. good at it. Um, the whole idea is you get randomised upgrades as you go through randomised levels, beating randomised bosses, going through deeper, 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 it gets harder and harder. I managed to beat the first big boss 
this week, which I've only done a couple of times. And there are multiple, 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 much worse bosses that I will never defeat. And I know that, but I had good fun. Um, so just to clarify, that's not the end of level bosses. That's the end of level three or uh, four, is The end of, like, runs. So I think at first you've got to beat, like, six floors to get to the first, like, end of run boss. And mm. then the next time you do a run, it's like, oh, you have to get through 12 levels before you get, like, this new, bigger, worse boss... So, like, each time it extends how long you have to survive to complete a run. Okay. It, yeah, once once you've beaten one of these, like, big end-of-run bosses, it then just adds a few more levels that are harder and goes, right, now beat it again and then some more. And then a bigger thing. But the, other, the good thing about Binding of Isaac is as you progress through, you are slowly unlocking more things to find in the dungeon. Yeah, you unlock things like more playable characters that have different uh, starting stats, like some of them will have additional keys or bombs or more health or uh, extra lives or something like that. that mm. They all have their pros and cons to them, each of them. Uh, you unlock as well like yeah, additional items you might find in the dungeon or new enemies that you might not have fought before. Um, a lot of it comes down to luck of each time that you get like the one one or two upgrade items on each level are they good ones and can you remember what these many 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 upgrade items do because some of them I just don't like they make me play worse mm. and I always forget which ones they are until I pick it up and then I go oh it's that one oh no I don't like that yeah, and I mean, because you're playing what Afterbirth Plus is it? I think it's Afterbirth Plus, which is like whatever the most recent big DLC expansion bunch of new mm. content there is. Yeah, yeah. So I think it the most recent or the second most recent uh, update released something. It, it all virtually doubled the amount of items that you can find in the dungeon. Yeah, I'm trying to so, find out from a quick Google how many items there are currently in that game. It does start to feel a bit like you need to sit. You either need to have learnt everything by trial and error, or sit there with the wiki before you decide whether or not you're going to pick a thing up. Yeah, it it does feel like that. So, yeah, that there are there are a lot of things in in this game, and I don't know what most of them do. Some of them you have no way of knowing what will do because, like, there are pills in that mm -hmm. you can find, and every time you do a run what one colour of pill will do, whether it'll be a positive or negative effect, switches every time you do mm. a run. So it's like, oh, a blue pill. That could be good or bad. Let's try it and hope it's good, and then try and remember for the rest of this run what that colour did. Mm. Uh, it is a difficult game, and I'm not good at it, but runs of that game are short enough that I always end up feeling like, ah, just one more, and I'll end up playing, like, hours of it. Yeah, it is, it is, it's, it's got a nice loop, and I, I've, a few times I've found myself playing over and over and over again, and despite how bad I am <laughs> at it, I, you know, I'm not unknown to die on the, the first level. Same. On the first, you know, on on the second boss or so. Those little skull things that pop up are the bane of my existence. Yes, same. Um, if anyone has played this, both of us struggle with, like, they're little, like, skulls that when they, like, pop up off the ground, like, they expose the bit of them that can be hit and then they pop back down. And, yeah, ugh, I'm not good at those. 
But yeah, you know, even playing for uh, ending up with a run lasting less than you know two or three minutes, I, I still a few times happily played for sort of four or five hours. Yeah, I'll, I'll sometimes just put a couple of podcasts on or like a TV show I want to binge, and I'll just kind of play while I do something else. Yeah, yeah, it's good with podcast. Good with a podcast. Yeah, so uh, that's everything I've played. Have you played anything else? Uh, no. Right, well, in that case, here's something else. Yeah, join us here at Wembley for an absolutely stunning turnout today. There's uh, the, um, the 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 uh, the people in the shorts. Um, uh, the, the 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 what's it? The the, the game doers. Yeah, so the, the game doers all uh, all lined up on the uh, the grassy thing there. And, the, the, the field is field, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think that they're, they're gonna. Oh, yes, one of them's poked the circly the, thing the, the, the and... roundy the roundy dotty one the roundy yes, dotty the, player the, 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 the egg thing yes um, and now they're, they're they're doing the fast move to yep. uh, what's it what's it called the the fast move the, that gets them um, to the end yes yeah that one one legs kick uh, legs uh, kick uh, all flailing wildly uh, and the the person that does the 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 rules man the Rulesman, rulesman, yep. rulesman, the rulesman has issued one of the one of the rouge pieces of paper. Yeah, but yeah, one of the uh, yes, yes, the, uh, the crimson uh, angry angry sign. Yes, and uh, oh yeah, I think they've been sent off the the big grassy oblong thing. Oh right. dear! G- give me, give me a second. I'll go look this up on my phone. Oh, ball! That's what that thing was called. Ball! Oh, it's been annoying me all match. And kicked in the ball. Oh, oh, oh. You know, you just sometimes shut on the tip of your tongue, those words. Oh. I know, I know. I hate it when there's something on the tip of my tongue that I just can't get off. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Game Show Bonanza. This week we have three very special guests. Join me in guest number one. Hello, I'm Janice. I'm from Norfolk. And I work for the bus company. I've been there for 12 years. Uh, I really enjoy the newspaper crossword. Uh, uh, My favourite colour's blue. Okay. Um, um, moving on to contestant. It's Clive. I come from Dudley and I'm very, very happy to be here. I've been uh, working in a shoe shop for the last 25 years and I'm very happy doing that. Uh, Wednesday, thank you. Uh, uh, okay, Anna, contestant number oh, three. I'm, tells pr- I'm Frank. Um, I, I, I work down the uh, the business bureau and, um, oh yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, I, I've been, wor- I'm really happy there actually. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. Uh, d- uh, okay, uh, so everybody, fingers on buzzers and, uh, the answer is is uh, forty two. Oh, oh, okay. Um, and uh, that's t- ten points to to you. Um, uh, fingers on b- buzzers for the, the the second question. Oh, the answer the answer's French fries. Uh, okay, and moving on to that, it's uh, seven hundred and forty six. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's it's France. I haven't even asked that one yet. What's... Are you lot psychic or what? 
Yes, you, yes. You, you sent you sent the invitation to the psychics group to come play. Did you not did did you not pay attention to who you were inviting? Well, uh I guess that uh I this is another episode of Game Show Bonanza. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, it's okay if you want to end it early. We already know that Frank wins in the end of the third round. Thank you, everyone. Bye. <laughs> so, what have you been watching this week? Well, you sat me down and we watched the Mabim Bam TV show. Yes, the uh, the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show. Yep. Should we should we give some context for anyone who doesn't know about My Brother, My Brother and Me? If you listen to podcasts, you've probably heard of the McElroy brothers. They do a lot of podcasts that are very popular. Uh, one of them is called My Brother, My Brother and Me, where three brothers, that would be my brother, my brother and me for one of them. Uh, Which one is me? I have no idea. Maybe that's a question for them. Which one of you is the me? Which one of you is the perspective character of your podcast title? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's three brothers and they answer like questions that either people send to them or that they find on Yahoo Answers, which are usually yeah. like very silly questions or weird questions and they come up with goofy answers. No uh, and they did a TV show that was like a six episode run. Yeah. Uh, what, did, what did you um, think? It was quite sweet. It felt a bit less together than the podcasts. Um, but it, it was lovely seeing them all having fun together. Uh, obviously, you hear them sort of laughing at each other on, on the show. But it is quite different to uh, to actually sort of see them interacting as they do. Mm. And it's, it's, it's fun. You know, I'm not having any siblings. I don't really know what that's like. So it's quite nice to sort of go, oh, they do kind of love each other. And they're, you know. <laughs> being silly together and whatever else. Yeah, there's definitely a structural difference between the podcast and the show in that the podcast, it's an hour that they have, like, they can do multiple topics, multiple questions. As soon as they're running dry on a joke, they can just move on. Whereas obviously for a TV show, they've got to find enough to fill 20 plus minutes of, like, visual content and that they have to, like, keep the gag going. Yeah. And find, like, physical things to do rather than just coming up with, like, improv gags which understandably is a different challenge um yeah i quite enjoyed watching it like i think they did Mm. some very fun silly things um i particularly involved their attempts to find a secret society (laughs) um i i quite liked in that one where they where two of them go into that that quiet that room around the corner and they're just like oh there's all these cool things and you can't see it because you're out there camera people (laughs) can't make it in the room uh uh yeah i I've I watched it when it came out that that show and mm. left it while and I had a very good time rewatching it. It's it's very mm. just positive, easy watching. Yeah, it's good. It's just a very very happy old watch. Mm. Have you watched anything else? Uh I've not really watched much this week. Um, I watched more of Gotham, and I'm gonna try and mm-hmm. keep spoiler like spoilers to a minimum because I know I'm a bit ahead of you now. You are. Yeah. So, Half a series, in fact. Yeah, I'm like uh, 11 or 12 episodes into season two now. Um, mm. I feel like there there was a little bit of a scattershot approach this season of... Where season one had a very definitive, like, this is the villain arc we're doing. Mm. Season two has thrown a lot more villains in for like two or three episode arcs and then move on and now it's different villains couple of episode arc. 
okay. um, using like big names from the Batman universe. Hmm. I am, I'm kind of surprised at how many big name Batman villains they are willing to canonically say are like decades older than Bruce Wayne. <laughs> And to be okay. like, oh yeah, no, like this is not a, a villain that Batman's facing. This is a villain that the police force twenty years ago faced. That is a big name Batman villain. Yeah, because how old's Bruce supposed to be in this series? Uh, he looks like he's like twelve or something. Like yeah. he's he's maybe turned twelve or thirteen. Yeah. And do we ha- do we know canonically how old he is for most of the series? I can find out if you. I know he get much older towards the end because I think there's the the exoskeleton stuff when he's. Pretty old. Oh, I I had no idea that he got older later in in Gotham. Um, <laughs> Shit, spoilers. Yeah, uh, not in Gotham in 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 the comic books. Okay, um, so let's have a look. Is there an age on the Wikipedia page? No. Is there an age for the actor? Maybe. Uh, he returned to Gotham at the age of twenty-five. What's this? How old is Batman during pivotal events in his life? There you go. Okay, his parents died when he was either 8 or 10 years old, depending on the writer. Uh, He toured the world as soon as he was able and learned every martial art possible. He returned to Gotham age 25 and started then. The first Robin, uh, Dick Grayson, uh, soon after and was 12 when Bruce Bruce was 26. Uh, I found found an answer. One second. Mm -hmm. In the Gotham TV series, Bruce Bruce Wayne is 12 years old when his parents are murdered. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, my guess of 12 was apparently correct. There we go. Um, but yeah, no, it's considering that Bruce is only twelve, and most of his uh, the the villains we're seeing are in their mid to late twenties. Like the only villain so far that feels like they've been left at roughly like Bruce's age is like you've got Selena Kyle, Catwoman is like yeah. roughly Bruce Wayne's age, and mm. the character that I still am very convinced is going to end up being the Joker. Is about mm-hmm. is about Batman's age, about Bruce Wayne's age. Mm-hmm. So, like, other than that, they're pulling out like the full rogues gallery of Batman villains. That seems like an odd choice. Yeah, like, okay. My my assumption is that they just fully intend for this show to be its own canon and for it not to directly lead into the canonical events of like other Batman interpretations and. If you can kind of wrap your head around it being like, okay, th- this show just is a different canon to everything else, then that's fine. Mm. But I'm having a problem that I had in season one a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the problem is kind of that if you know anything about existing Batman lore or villains, the second that a name is mentioned or you see some kind of power used or some kind of effect done, you're like, oh, okay, they're doing this villain, and oh, yeah, that, there's no mystery. It's it's that person, because they've got the name that in the comic books the person has that becomes that yeah. person. There's, there's You say that, but I, uh, Ivy's name, I believe, has changed from the original um, comic. Yeah, there's a couple of exceptions. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Poison Ivy is about the same age as, as Bruce Wayne, but... Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of ones where it's like, hmm, this place has a doctor with the surname Strange. I wonder if he's going to be important later. And there's a lot of like, this character has a name that is not a name that people normally have. It's a name that like, oh, you that's that's a that's a supervillain surname. Okay, hmm. there's a lot of that going on, but. Um, 
I'm enjoying the general detective drama, and I'm enjoying yeah. watching these sort of proceedings of how are the police force going to get around these criminals who are very good at not being caught. Yes. So yeah, I'm enjoying it still. I, I hmm. definitely want to keep going. Yeah, what, a, nice. what about you? Have you watched anything else? I watched the uh, the Nindies. Oh, the Nintendo's indie live stream thing. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what's uh, what comes of that lot. Yeah, ta- did did you watch that? Did you uh, that? I got a bit of a glimpse of it, but I don't remember much of what happened. So, can you remind us of some games that looked good in it? Um, ones I really like the look of uh, West of Loathing. A uh, it's described as a slapstick RPG with stick figures. Ah, oh. um, it's a black and white sort of hand drawn art style of stick figures in the old west, um, with a sort of JRPG turn based fighting style. Ah, oh. um, apparently it's very silly, lots of weird jokes. Um, I just thought the art style was really interesting. Um, it reminded me of that sort of Where's Wally game. I don't know if you oh, know the one. Oh, yes, I know the one. The, the black and white one. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Um, I was pleased to see the uh, Lumnies remaster, because I really enjoyed Lumnies on the uh, DS. Mm. Although I found the screen a bit small for what they were trying to do <laughs> with it. Uh, there's there's one I remember from the, the Nindies, which is one <gasps> called pool, pool Party, I think it's called. Yes. Where it's, it's some kind of like uh, the like snooker-esque pool game but all of the pool ball- balls have like faces and arms and legs and it seems very weird and wacky. Yeah, I've been following this for a while because um, uh, Astrid Johnson, our, our good friend, uh, was staying with me while during Egypt Raised while that was announced a couple of years ago. So it was it was one of the things that she came back afterwards and she was like, oh my god, it's so poor panic, it's amazing. <laughs> Stickers everywhere. <laughs> um, and it, uh, from what I can tell or remember from back then, you can just be walking along as the little cue ball and you will encounter enemies and it will sort of lock off an area for you. And then you will fight using pool mechanics to pot... <laughs> The enemy balls. It, it feels to me very similar in sort of like mechanic style to something like Golf Story, where it's like, oh, did you just walking around? Ah, I'm now going to do a sport as combat RPGs. Yeah. Um, it looks really fun and quite silly. Uh, apparently, some of the balls get a bit nervous and they'll sort of rock around and move, oh, so no. that adds a little bit of extra danger in. <laughs> but yeah, sort of looking at the, at the version that they were showing. Uh, for the Nindies, looked really good. So I, I hope to see more of that. And I'm glad it's coming to Switch. Yeah. All right, everything uh, come to the Switch. Huzzah. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, what else did I like? Um, garage, or garage. Uh, top-down, gory shooter, styly. Oh. Looks quite interesting. Um, uh, sort of reminded me of Hotline Miami, but less sort of pixel arty. Yeah. Um, so I'd be interested to see more of that. Um, Puda or po- Podi? 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 Um, I'm not well, sure. Well, they were descri- they they were pronouncing it Pudi, uh, Puda in the uh, in the Nindies, but it is spelt P-O-D-E. It's adorable. The graphic style's absolutely beautiful. Um, you appear to play two little um, things. One is a little glowing. 
ball character that seems to change colour occasionally, and the other one looks like a sort of walking rock with blue outlines around it. And it appears to be a sort of puzzle platformer, 3D fixed perspective style game. So it's adorable. I don't know about anything else. The the graphics are very pretty. The uh, lighting effects are very nice. I hope it is good. And good luck to them with that. Um, Bad North is a... um, a strategy is described they've described it as a strategy roguelike it looked like um almost goddess style sort of art style mm. with uh, you seem to control little army units or, or, or groups of uh, military units and and fend off sort of attackers from your island uh, decisions are permanent so there's a certain uh hardcore aspect of that so if you if you lose your champions or your generals or whatever then you can you know, that that's it they're gone forever and if you lose everything it's game over yeah. so very interested to see that uh one i'm not terribly interested in but i know other people probably will would be uh banner saga 3's been announced for switch oh yeah i'm not a huge fan of those but um just not my style of game, but I, I know a lot of people really like those, and they have announced that Banner Saga 1 and 2 will be released later this year as well, Heck. and that there will be um, integration between the three, so you can carry over decisions you've made, or, or people that have died during Banner Saga 1 and 2, and those decisions can affect the third one. That sounds pretty cool, huzzah! And the last one was Bomb Chicken, which oh, looks absolutely adorable. Bomb Chicken, yes. Uh, yeah, so you are a chicken that poops out bombs, <laughs> and you can make stacks to get yourself over gaps and things, or you can reach uh, higher levels, stack your bombs up, and or just push them towards an enemy. Um, interesting character design, beautiful graphics... I hope to see more of it. I'm very much looking forward to what they, whatever they come up with on that. Ooh. I've just Ooh. I've just remembered I did watch one other thing. Ooh. We both watched it. What did we watch? It was the new Steven Universe episodes. Oh heck yeah. Yeah, so there were four new episodes of Steven Universe came out. Um gonna Ooh. stay light on spoilers because they've only just come out uh, for anyone that still Ooh. hasn't seen them, but I felt that they were very pleasant to watch and they did some good character development mm-hmm. i will say that like at least one of those episodes felt like they were trying to get through a lot of plot and world building progression very quickly mm. um the the one that involved reading a letter to someone because i feel like there is a worry at cartoon network that that show is going to get cancelled before it finishes telling its story yeah. And a little bit of what we saw in this new batch of episodes did feel like it was, let's hit a bunch of plot points, go, 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 get the plot out in case we get cancelled, get as much of it out as we can. Yeah, it's shit that Cartoon Network keep cancelling shows because girls are interested and they can't sell toys to girls. Yeah. But, uh, it It is really frustrating. better toys. Yeah, Steven Universe is like one of the my favourite shows out there and I really hope we get to see it come to its like conclusion because so much of it mm. like its early days were very sort of his silly slapstick story of the week but now it is 
very centered on this big mystery narrative. Yeah. Like, uh, I just hope we get to the end of it. Like, right now there is obviously the big questions of like, hey, so Pink Diamond was apparently shattered by Rose Quartz with a sword, but Rose Quartz's sword can't shatter gems. What's up with that? Like, there, mm. there are there are things happening, but I I liked what we got in this batch of episodes. I I really liked the character development we got with Sadie. Mm. Um, yeah. I thought that that Sadie-centric episode was really nice in the way mm-hmm. it developed her sort of family relationships yeah. in a sort of healthy way that's like important to talk about, I guess. Yeah. And I like where Maya Dewey ended up, even if it was a little predictable. You predicted that long before I would have seen it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that it happened. Uh, as soon as, like, in the last batch of episodes, Mayor Dewey, like, looked like he wasn't going to be mayor anymore, I was like, I see where he might end up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm glad we got more Steven Universe. Can yeah, we just get it, it on a regular schedule, please? <laughs> Like, I wouldn't even mind if it was an annual thing and they only released a whole series. Yeah, if if I if we had to wait until January next year but we got a 20-episode run or something, yeah. yeah, I would rather that. Because right now yeah, I'm so starved for content. <laughs> well, I, the other thing is I, I totally get that animation is hard. It takes a long time and, and, and things... I don't know what it is about Cartoon Network with that show at the moment. It feels like they're almost... Part of them is afraid to stop showing it. Yeah. For fear that they the fans will just lose interest. I, I think you... But at the same time, they're not giving yeah. enough in a batch to, to make it. So either they need to put more money in and pay more artists to get on with it. Mm. Because I don't imagine it's the writers that are uh, hanging yeah. back on this. I, I honestly think you've hit the nail on the head there, that it might just be that... They that it is a case of they don't want to leave a huge gap in case the audience that is there goes. I, I but, we are made of love. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I, I'm I'm not going to get true fanning on anyone. We've but, um, we've been given a big enough cliffhanger that I think most people who are into that show will wait because they want to yeah. they want to know what's up. And I, I hope that if the worst comes to worst and Cartoon Network do can it, that they do at least have the decency to go, okay, you get a two-hour film, finish it. Or even if it's not a two-hour film, like, let's hope we get, like, some comics that end it or something. Like, let's get something that gives us the end of that story. To be fair, I've not really dug the comic books for yeah. Steven Universe. See, even, even if they put their A-team on writing the comics, the thing that would suck is that we'd lose the music. And that yes. would be a really big loss. Although, they got around that with the Bee and Puppycat comic book. How did they get around um, that? They are pages with QR codes. Oh. So you just scan a page and it will take you to a YouTube link, a, a, an unlisted YouTube link, and it will show you the bit of music related to that thing. That's... Uh, because they're in yeah. the, first, uh, the first volume, I don't know if that was like four issues that they'd done as a as a collection but that sh- had like these this whole bit about music boxes mm. and you could just scan the QR code and it would play that bit of music from that music box huh. and that was a really nice sort of 
sort of interactive bit. Yeah, I I hadn't thought of that as an option, but yeah, more Steven Universe is good, but yes. you're killing us, Cartoon Network, killing us with this schedule. And and look, if I think Cartoon Network massively underestimate the audience for the Steven Universe because They've been saying things like, oh, that we can't sell toys to Steven Universe fans. I think Steven Universe fans come in all shapes, sizes and ages and genders and would more than happily buy toys for that. I know I would. Yeah, no, if you... I would love a Rose Quartz. Yeah, bring out, like, a, a nice set of, like, high-quality Steven Universe figures. We'll buy a not set. Not Funkos. No, not... No Funkos. Re- like, you know, put out, like, a well-proportioned, like, high-quality set. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll buy them. Yeah, like the the um the action figures they did for Adventure Time, mm. those are decently made. I would buy you like know, a high end Stevoni with sword and shield. Oh heck yeah! Yeah, oh that show. In fact, I would probably go get all of the the Crystal Gems, Steven, Stevoni. Um, if they did like large scale models yeah. of the fusions, I would definitely See, be interested this, in those. This, although that's the thing is like this show more than any other show is like built for really easy merchandising. In that, like yeah. every time you introduce a new fusion, that's a new action figure you can sell. Yeah, and they're not merchandising it. Although at the same time, I would hate for them to start going. Okay, we've decided we're going to merchandise it. Now you have to keep introducing a new character every three episodes. Uh, well, the thing so we can sell more. The toys. thing is, if they made a a merch a merch push now, they've got a big enough backlog of characters to to merch yeah. push. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot you can work with. Yeah, but I wouldn't want it turning into like My Little Pony, where we've got, you know, we're going to do the same dolls using the same molds every. Six months to a year, but now they're transparent. Now they've got uh, invisible makeup or whatever that you put them in water and they'll they'll change colour or whatever. Well, yeah, it's... just make decent quality models. Give them some accessories because Steven Universe ha- is built for accessories as well. You know, they've all got their the the gems have got their own weapons. There's so much you could do. What's the company More that makes pets? these? I'm having a look for a thing quickly. Um, even going a step above, like Funkos, I would even buy like Steven Universe Nendroids, which is the the li- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the ones that we've got some uh, Link figures of. I, I would buy Steven Universe Nendroids. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like something that's just a little more articulated with a little better proportions and a little more accessories than your sort yeah. of Funko Pop level. Just go a little bit above that. Well, the other thing with Steven Universe is, like, most of the really good merch is on Redbubble. Yeah, yeah. It's fan designs. Like, one of my favourite t-shirts is the um, Rose's Sword and Shield with It's Dangerous to Go Alone, Take These. (laughs) Which I got on Redbubble. Uh, I've got my I Believe in Steven t-shirt, which is just red with the yellow star and that text across it in the... the, um, yeah, the sort of title font. <laughs> Why aren't there official versions of these? Yeah, so that's. Uh, I think that's everything we've watched this week. Is it? Yes, yes. I'll stop bragging about <laughs> that. Yeah. That's all right. We need clearly needed to get it out of our system. So uh, yeah. now for something else. Hello, we are here today with another public service announcement. Yes. 
People have said that our species is inevitably heading towards genocide. But this seems to be a very bad idea. Indeed. No matter how much you may find yourself stressed out with your fellow human being, you should always avoid heading straight into genocide. But there are options. What kind of options are there to avoid genocide? Firstly, try a calm, relaxing breath. <gasps> oh. Try to see things from another person's point of view. Oh, I see what you think, and I'm not going to commit genocide now. No matter how close things seem to be to genocide, remember, you always have a choice. Turn left at genocide. Remember, use your internal sat-nav and turn left at genocide. Available now in this beautiful collection of six compact discs, The Love Ballads of Death Metal. Oh, I love you very much. I think you're beautiful. I would like to kiss your face if you're okay with that because consent's important to me. I have seen you. I like you. I would like to talk to you, but I am scared. Inside me is filled with fear, but all I can think about is holding your hand. If that would be okay, again, consent. Very important, very important, very important consent. Very important, very important, very important consent. I think your eyes are as blue as the sky. I like that your heart is very full of love. I am constantly amazed by how much joy you find in life. How you like the uh, wings of the butterfly. How you like it, their delicate uh, legs and how pretty and stuff they are. The way you talk, it is so magical. Like you talk about everything's poetical. And I really love the things that you see in the world. The things you see in me too. Last but not least, I really enjoy the way that you talk about things. I enjoy your personality as much as it not more than your appearance. I enjoy you on more than a surface level. Your creativity, it astounds me. Always you are looking at things, writing things, making observations about the world that I can't see. And it makes me so happy. You make me so happy. Order now and get a bonus CD of death metal lullabies. Rock my baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. <laughs> the cradle will Rock. Well, rock. <laughs> so, what have you been listening to this week? Well, apart from all the Aggie techno in the last two hours of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. of- Sunday morning. We we did have a night with some music. <laughs> we certainly did. Um, uh, we had some jungle, we had some drum and bass, some uh, nice break beats, uh, and yeah. then towards the end they got into some really aggy techno. I think they were just trying to get... Which was just the thing I needed at 6am. I think they were just trying to get everyone's like last little bit of energy out at the end of the night. It's like, right, okay, yeah. get, your, get, your, get your dancing out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say we went out dancing on like Saturday night and we were initially worried that we were going to miss out on an hour of our night of dancing because the clocks yeah. changed in the UK 
But very nicely, they kept the night going like one hour longer than advertised to account for the the missing hour, which was nice. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, what else did we listen to other than the couple of hours of Aggie uh, Aggie stuff at the end of the night? I've <laughs> uh, listening to a bit of chip tune. Oh, yeah. I um, I've I was. It's something that had been flagged up to me a while ago that people were putting uh, old Commodore sixty four music SID tunes uh, through oscilloscopes, oh. so that you could see the wave shapes yeah as they went through on each of the four channels how how they were making so, the music happen yeah and it was it was quite interesting because obviously some of it does go this channel is only square wave this wave <laughs> is is saw this is triangle and this is just noise and we're using that to make sort of vague drum sounds <laughs> but there were some particularly good ones i like the uh, the drill driller loader by uh, matt garrick mm. which is was yeah, good, very, very good. <laughs> um, I think that was one of the ones that had, uh, as you watch the wave shapes, you can see that they don't just use the noise channel to make drums, which was one of the sort of common uh, effects they used to use, but they switch very quickly between, uh, like, I think it was a square wave and then uh, sort try of cap it. In- cap it. I think it was a square wave, uh, watching the, the particular video I was thinking of, and then capping it off with noise to sort of make a more authentic drum sound. Was this the one you were listening to that like was somehow making almost like vocals with its four tracks? Uh, no, I was coming to that ah, next. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, that was the uh, that was Stormlord by Gerontel. Or Gerontel. Um, the drum track on that is incredible. Like you can genuinely tell the the sort of pick out the toms, the snare, the kicks, and yes, as you mentioned, it does have um, sampled speech in it, just saying Stormlord. <laughs> um, it's beautiful to watch on an oscilloscope. Um, yeah, if you can find it, definitely worth a look. it. It was certainly, and if you're into the technical side, <laughs> definitely look up the oscilloscope version. It was certainly fascinating watching and going like, oh, that's that's how this thing happens. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, apologies if there's any background noise during this section. Smudge is using me as a playground, it seems. She's doing a lot oh. of jumping up and down and around me. Hello, Smooje. Sort of <laughs> sat staring at the microphone. Um, so, yeah, should I talk about a thing I listened tell to this me, week? Tell me, tell me what you shoved in your ears. So, there's a couple of things I listened to this week that, like, you were playing and I really liked, and then I put them in my Spotify, and I just want to, like, Ooh. name drop a couple of those quickly, and I won't necessarily go into big descriptions on them. So, A Brief History of Goa Trance, Man With No Name, oh. by Talamasca. Yeah. Uh, Which... Uh, was not the one. Was that the one I mentioned last week? Uh, I don't know if you did, but like I, I heard you playing it this week, and I was like, I like this. I like this one. Ah. Let's have this one, please. Yep, I mentioned that one last okay. week. Okay. Um, well, I also Frenchman in Mumbai <laughs> by the same artist is very good. I got around to listening to that, and I very much enjoyed it. Um, yes. there was Too Close Breaks Mix by Def Klein <sighs> and Red Polo. Oh, yeah. Which that that was another good one. Uh, these are all these are all just some nice dance tracks from this week. Uh, that was break break beat for the uh, the two close. Yep. Um, Can't stop me. Matrix and future bound vocal mix by Afrojack oh. and Shermanology. Yeah. Which oh that's that's a good like I can do anything. Nothing upbeat. can stop me. Upbeat track. Yeah, um, and it's 
really sort of fast-paced drum and bass. You shouldn't drive to that because you'd probably be doing well over the Yeah, it, it's the kind of track that would make you want to go like, I'm going to do like 200 miles an hour and nothing can stop me. Whoa! Yeah. Uh, and the last one was that uh, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, Zed's Dead remix, oh. Nina Simone and Zed's Dead. Love a bit of Zed's Dead. Yeah. Some good upbeat drum and bass. It's, it's got a really nice like melodic vocal track to it. Well, it's Nina Simone, yeah. so the, the lyric, the, the vocal track was always going to be incredible. Um, if you like a bit of Nina Simone cross with dance music... Um, uh, okay, yeah, the Bass Nectar remix of Feeling Good by Nina Simone. Oh, it's got an incredible build on it. I believe you've shown me this one before. It does have a really, probably have. really good build. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for anyone who who likes um, dubstep you and, and knows the tune Feeling Good, you might think that the drop is going to come in considerably earlier than it does. But the build is so worth it. Yeah, it's... It it is a track that like it takes its time and is patient in a way mm. that I did not expect it to be. I the, both of those are tracks I would love to hear played out. Nina Simone's vocals and really good uh, sort of dance remixes, just the perfect blend. <laughs> more Nina Simone in dance music, exactly. please. Exactly. Uh, what about you? Have you got any more songs you or, or things you listen to you want to recommend? Uh, well, in keeping with my constantly living in the past and listening to tracks that I haven't listened to for decades, <laughs> um, I sat down and listened to Cypress Hill Black Sunday album. Oh, heck! Uh, again for the first time in decades. <laughs> um, it it's weird because I I don't think I've listened to it all the way through in a very long time. I've listened to like the odd track here and there, but it was really nice to sort of sit down and just go, Oh, I remember this. Not even so much I remember this track, but I remember sitting around with my friends at uh, one of their houses, aged like 13 or 14, drinking Fosters and Green 2020, and smoking really awful weed, and <laughs> usually while someone in the bed behind me is having sex. <laughs> sounds sounds uh, like a time, that does. That's the kind of life I had. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was a beautiful memory of my past, but, um, and I'd forgotten sort of how sort of almost dreamy and psychedelic a lot of, um, the, the beats are on those tracks. Mm. There's something very dreamlike about, yeah, ah. definitely worth a listen. If you have not heard it before and you like classic hippity hop. Heck. Hmm. Right, sure. Do you have any others? I've, I've got a couple of others to quickly mention. So uh, today I quickly went through my Spotify uh, Discover Weekly, as I do, Ooh. and I found a couple of tracks I quite like. Um, oh, my microphone, it fell down. Right. Oh, no. Uh, Rabbit in the Snare by The Lulls in Traffic. Um, very chill beat. It's got a sort of like synth, slightly piano... Um, line a melody line going gently under it it's got a very soft but impassioned vocal line that sort of switches between soft sung versus some sort of like spoken word vocals uh, okay. it's a very nice very chill track um the other one i really enjoyed was one called play dead by a will away it's a fairly upbeat, up-tempo rock track that uses a lot of very positive sounding fairly like high tone um, 
guitar and vocals. Like, everything's quite high in its tone range, which makes everything sound... Just makes everything sound quite uplifting and positive in it. Um, and who's that by? Uh, a Will Away. 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 Yeah, it's <laughs> it's got some like quite powerful vocals behind it. It's quite like powerful and aggressive and like pushing forward, but everything is just high enough in tone that it sounds like it's being optimistic. So yeah, Ooh. just a nice upbeat, up tempo rock track. So I nice. think that's everything I've listened to this week. Uh, hello and welcome to this is a finest selection of sodas available. Uh, today joining me is what? 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 Who? who? Oh, I'm from the Wine Council, and I've been I've been sent over. Apparently, you've got the very, very, very high class vintage sodas today that I can I can um, use my my knowledge of, of wine connoisseuring to um to to pontificate a little bit about. Absolutely, do feel free to whine about any of it. <laughs> Indeed. What, what what have we got here first? What's the first uh, soda drink I'm getting to try today? First of all, we have a. Truly a stupendous example of a cola. This is uh, the Chateau, Illinois, uh, 1996. Not quite off yet, still quite a fizzy little number. Oh yes, I see. I'm giving it a nice swirl in the um in my in my wine glass here. Uh, you do this in order to to aerate. Uh, you would think you wouldn't need to aerate with all the bubbles in there, but. Uh, apparently, you just got to shake a couple of those bubbles out, get it down to a more palatable um, level of fizziness. Um, hmm. yes, it has an excellent nose. Oh, indeed. I put my nose right in it, and ooh, I'm uh, getting a bit of a sugar rush. It's this lovely thing. Yes, nothing like a bit of coke up your nose. Oh, yes. Uh, what what sort of notes, sir? What sort of notes are you getting as you uh, smell it? I'm getting uh, vegetable extracts and... Uh... Uh, carbonation. Carbonation. Oh yes, I'm. I'm. I'm getting um, several hints of um, caramelized sugar, and oh, yes, yes. and um, generic cola flavoring. Oh yes. Oh, absolutely yes. stinks of the stuff. Um, right now, I have. I have. I have brought uh, one of my own favourites here today. Ooh, um, yes, yes. I brought along a um, a 2006 orangeade. Um, one of those, oh. one of those own brand supermarket varieties. Be you'll be, you'll be oh. surprised to find out how how oddly pleasant it is. It, 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 give it a give it a give it a swill. This is most peculiar. Yes, I'm I'm getting uh, an abundance of sugar. Just just a frightening amount. It, it seems to be. Uh, oh, oh, hang on, that's. That's not just sugar, is it? No, no, there's, no. there's artificial sweeteners in here, too. Indeed, they use both sugar and sweeteners in combination to give it a very familiar flavour that most people associate with young childhood cheap fizzy pop. Yes, I, I believe this is one, the last year that they were able to use the uh, the, the same flavouring ingredients uh, that had previously existed only in those small cup drinks that one could get for 4p from the Happy Shopper. Oh, indeed, and I think at this point the only thing that still uses that particular flavouring is certain uh, cleaning pl- products, but they're certainly not as delicious to, to imbibe. I don't know, I've had some wonderful floor cleaners in my shop. Oh, I think we've got one, one last one here today. Now, I'm going to ask you to blindfold yourself. 
Ooh, right. uh, and well, I, I happen to have a couple of blind pearls and a, oh, a big good. gag back and, here. Oh, well, 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 I'm going to pour, pour a glass and um, take, take a sip of this. Have a, have, a, have a guess as to what flavour of drink this is. Oh, I'm getting sort of burnt vanilla, something, uh, a slight hint of germline. Oh, is this that a... Hang on, I know this one. It's a... It's a 1989 imported root beer, I think probably from one of the southern states. Yes, yes, there's very something, something very particular about that. Uh, that uh, that one of the Elam was in there. I'm not. You don't just don't get it anymore. Indeed, indeed, you've you've certainly got a nose for this kind of thing. Now, oh yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us all. We'll have a nice Ooh. tasting selection up the front for you to try some of these yourself. And remember, oh yeah. Much like any taste wine, up my front. Well, yes, much like any wine tasting. Remember, you've got to spit it out into the bucket. You don't swallow it, otherwise you'll just get sugar high by the time you're done. So, uh, thank you very much, and we'll. we'll Enjoy, enjoy your, your connoiss- being a connoisseur amongst your friends of sodas. Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Stuffy Planet on the Littles Channel. Today we are exploring the world of adorable stuffed bears. Here... On the duvet, we see a number of cute, adorable bears in a number of bright colours. In their natural environment, you must be careful to approach slowly and gently with love, as to not scare them off. Exactly. Stuffies are, by their very nature, quite nervous creatures. Although they are very willing to fend off monsters during the night time, check under beds, and even in the scary wardrobe. However, they themselves can be quite intimidated by human beings. One lesser-known piece of information about the stuff is, is the realisation that was made by scientists recently, that while they may differ in appearance and temperament, they are all part of one genetic species, the stuffed animal. It's all one species, and they are all equally suited to the task of providing love and comfort. Indeed. Be they stuffed rabbits, stuffed bears, indeed a stuffed dinosaur. All the same. All beautiful inside and out. Now, we must leave them to their natural habitat because our very presence might be preventing them from doing their very important job of keeping people safe and comfortable and happy. So we shall leave them to their duty... March on, brave soldiers, the stuffies. Keep the little safe. You know what? I want to see more of. Don't need alt-right jesters. Gotta have those brochure justice warriors. Alright, there he is. As a Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm get, I'm getting through, Barry. Uh, not, not yeah. my best. No, no. What's, what's up? You know, you, well, you always talk to me, man. Well, you see, I, I'm glad I can't talk to you because yeah. it's a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a sensitive subject. I know that it's a subject oh. that is often not talked amongst about guys, but you know, I've been dealing a bit with 
feelings are suicidal and uh, you know it's, it's a tough thing a tough thing to deal with I'm not an activist to mm. myself right now it's just a mm. pervasive feeling that happens sometimes I work through it and it's all you know good but yeah. it's you know it's got me thinking I'm I, you know I, I'm alright I could come to, I come talk to you when I'm I'm feeling like this and we talk it through but you know male suicide is a real real statistical epidemic and um i think a big oh, yeah. a big part of that is you know a culture that we've bred where you know men are not expected to talk about their feelings and that really sort of just you know can leave some people with really tough feelings that they aren't talking about and that's a real devastating you know blow i think Absolutely, and male male suicide rates are, uh, are ridiculous. I think you know uh, toxic masculinity has a lot to do with that. Men, men are you know almost expected to be emotionless robots that provide and cope with everything, and they can bear the heavy burdens of whatever happens to be. But uh, you know, personally, I don't think that's uh, you know that's not human. Human beings, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's there's layers like like an onion or an ogre. Oh, indeed, and you know it's it's one of those things that like it. This is a problem, you know. There's a lot of talk about the idea of men's rights issues, and like it's often it's often conflated with being the opposite of uh, feminism. But like, no, this is an issue of like a, a men's a men's centric issue that you know is serious and does need to be addressed. Like, this is one of those topics that we do need to talk about more as a society. Absolutely, and I think as long as it is treated as its own separate issue that needs to be treated rather than just some way of bludgeoning feminists who are trying to talk about uh, issues relating to uh, inequality issues of, of uh, other gender-related sorts, you know, that, that that's, you know, as, as long as it is specifically, hey, we need to talk about men that are having these problems, and clearly we do, because, you know, the, the like I say, suicide rates, the levels of depression... The, the way uh, counselling is handled in this country, but men are constantly expected to be like this one particular caricature that is, is portrayed on television as the strong male, you know, and that's a lot for anyone to cope with. Oh, indeed, indeed. And, like, here's, here's, the, here's the thing, like, I, I think it's a societal issue that, like, I'm, I'm glad i got someone I can open up to, but, like, we need to get to a place as a society where people, you know, where men aren't afraid to have these conversations where it's not frowned upon to bring these things up. I think that that needs to be encouraged more because it just generally lead to better mental health across across society, I reckon. Well, and I think on top of that, there is also the issue of, of the way mental health is, is treated as a whole. You know, we, we need to get rid of this stigma that people who have mental health problems are, you know, a danger. And I think a lot of that comes down to the way... You know when uh, you know some someone does something horrific in the media, they're very often described as being uh, mad or insane or any of those other awful buzzwords that the, the you know the tabloid press tend to like to to shove on these things. You know these yes, these people might be uh, you know disturbed in one way or another, but other times it's very often used and they're using you know mental health problems as shorthand for being kind of an arsehole. Oh, indeed. And when, when you stigmatise talking about mental health, you all you do is you discourage people from asking for help when they need it. And that's just exactly. just a big old problem. Like We need to yeah. we need to make it so that society doesn't see 
you know, for example, feel into his idol as a failure and be like, no, because yeah. the fact that you're still here after feeling that way is its own success. And you just got to like learn to reframe it in a way that doesn't make it stigmatised. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's been it's been good old chat. It always is with you. Always. Well, you know, I I'm always at the end of the phone if you need to chat me anytime, day or night. You know, don't worry about waking me up. I'm, you know, I'm not one to judge you, and I'm put, always here for you, mate. Certainly appreciate that. Have 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 a good one. You too. You too. Aww. Aww. So that leaves me to ask the question. Hey, hey, come here, come here, what, come here, what, come here, come here. what? Do you need a bra? I do need a bra. Do you need a bra that will reduce a pane of glass to rubble? Yes. Smashed it, bra. <laughs> do you need a bra that tells you whether water is below or above zero degrees Celsius? I do. That's solid, brah. <laughs> do you need a bra that will put a circle around each weekday on your calendar? Yeah. Oh, my days, brah. <laughs> do you need a bra that will take one of those, um, you know, children's toys that you, you rotate around and it sort of like tries to stay balanced and... Um, you know, it, it tells you how to use one of them. Yes. Give give it a spin, bra. Ah, I think you're gonna go with yo yo, bra. Oh no, that's ah, <laughs> uh, you did the solar one from further down my list. Ah, oh, no, uh, sorry. Oh well, I'll come back to it in a few weeks when we've all forgotten. <laughs> we've all forgotten. Uh, do you need a bra that will remind you that no good deed goes unpunished? Yes. Wicked bra. <laughs> Do you need a bra that simply just holds up your breasts? Yeah. I mean, bra. 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 <laughs> yeah, just no frills. Just bra. No frills. No, uh-huh. no frills. Bra. Not even a fancy bra. <laughs> Not even a fancy bra. Just bra. Bra. Grudge bra. <laughs> that's all we got. Is that our week? We done. That's a whole week. That's a whole week. Hack. That's a whole week. So, if that was our whole week, we've got a week ahead of us. Where can people find you on the internet during that week ahead? I can be found at stonemonkeyradio.blog. I can be found as Maniac Janiac on YouTube and Twitter. And I can be found on SoundCloud, where you might be listening to this, as Jane Eris Magnet. What about you? What about me? You can find me at Laura K. Buzz most places on the internet. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. You can also find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. You can find me on Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition real play podcast. Uh, I'm on good. seasons 3 and 4. They're all self-contained stories, so go listen to that. I think that's it. So, until next mm. week, be a stranger. <laughs> <laughs>